We're going to study tonight a second tshuva in our series on crime and punishment. This is a fascinating tshuva of the Chavos Yar, <coughs> Rabbi Yarachai and Bacharach, a great European posik from the 17th century. The tshuva of the Chavos Yar is talks about a similar case to the one we studied last week of the Tzemach Tzedek, from Menachem Mendel of Nicholsburg, about a murder. And the question was, what should our position be as the community toward getting justice for the victim, toward punishing the murderer? The one, one great difference is that the murderer in this case was a Jew. The victim was also a Jew, I think, but the murderer was a Jew. As we'll see, the analysis of the Chavos Yair is very different from that of the Tzemach Tzedek. He approaches it from a different perspective, he arrives at a different conclusion. At least part of that is probably due to the fact that the murderer was a Jew rather than a non-Jew, but there may be deeper disagreements between them as well. And we'll go through the, we'll go through the tshuva of the Chavos Yair, and we'll see how he approaches the question. Now, the Chavaz Yar's tshuva is rather long. It is considerably longer and more complex and more intricate than the tshuva of the Tamak Tzedek we did last week. He brings in more ideas. He has all kinds of uh, arguments and digressions. We're going to omit some of the digressions, and we'll try to, we'll try to avoid getting too tangled in all of his uh, arguments and counter-arguments, but we'll try to at least go through his tshuva and see the major arguments he makes for and against what we should do about this murder. So again, this is the Chavos Yar, Yarachayim Bachrach, was a great uh, German posik, I guess, from the, from the 17th century. His tshuvas are very interesting. He was a very, uh, he, he, he was a very, very uh, <coughs> creative thinker, and uh, his tshuvas can sometimes be a little hard to follow because they are, uh, because they're, uh, because they, they're kind of all over the place, and he can get into very uh, you know, detailed arguments, but uh, he definitely has a uh, colorful and, uh, cre- and, and creative streak in, in terms of the questions he discusses sometimes, as well as in his analysis. So without further ado, let's take a look at this tshuva of the Chavaz Yar. Sheila, he sets up the question, Shnei Bachure Chemed, there were two young men in Russia, and Niskotu Tuzem Zeh, they got into a quarrel. The quarrel turned violent. Shalaf Echanmem Sakino, one pulled a knife on the other, Picasso, a crime of passion, as they say. One of them became enraged, he drew a knife, and he stabbed the other one dead into his heart. Uh, he was going to be in trouble with the law, so he fled. The, the murderer fled, and he got away with it. He made a, he made a clean break. And he then uh, he literally got away with murder. Now he felt bad. He felt guilty. He wasn't a uh, he wasn't that far gone yet. So he wanted to do tshuva. And this is the first of many very interesting points in the tshuva of the Chavos Yar. The Chavos Yar has some veiled uh, musr here. He says one of the gedolim. He approached one of the gedolim, as we've discussed in the past. Tshuva back then was a rather more rigorous affair than it is today. Today we talk about tshuva, we talk about feeling genuinely sorry, about committing to, uh, to improve, reaching your better self, and so on. Today tshuva is a kinder, gentler affair than it was back then. Back then tshuva meant, uh, tshuva samishkal, tshuva meant you have to pay for what you've done by suffering, by self-mortification, and so on. Tshuva was a very rigorous affair. So this murderer, who felt bad, 
he went to one of the Gedolim and asked him to prescribe tshuva, to assign penances to him for what he had done. And the Gadol acted by the book. He prescribed an appropriate penance for murder. Murder was one of the most serious of errors for which they prescribed tshuva. So he gave him a pretty rigorous tshuva. He couldn't... Uh, the guy was sorry, but not that sorry. He couldn't deal with the rigorous penance expected of him. He said... To heck with it, parak ol, he was parak ol, he threw off the yoke of religion, of decency, of morality. Nasa Reish Baryoni, he became the, the chief, the, the gang leader. Chevri Ganovim, he became a career criminal. Eventually he was arrested, and that's what our story is going to be about. So the Chavasyar, by telling you this, uh, this little interesting bit of history, I think is trying to make a, uh, a veiled point that, that, that this Rav, who prescribed the Chuva, may have been one of the Gedolim, but uh, possible he's suggesting he may have mishandled this, that sometimes throwing the book at the person, prescribing the full tshuva, is just going to backfire and uh, make the guy decide he's unredeemable and, and he devoted himself to a life of crime instead of uh, possibly doing tshuva. Not sure, the Chavashar might just be recording the story. But actually, this is what happened. The fellow couldn't deal with the rigorous tshuva that was assigned to him, so he became a career gangster, and eventually he was caught, not for murder, he was not, he was not caught for the murder, he was picked up for Gneva, Bekila Gedola, in a certain community, doesn't say where, but in a certain large community, he was finally arrested by the authorities for Gneva, for theft. Again, Judaism was maybe not as kind and gentle then as it was, neither was the law. As we know from European history, they used to execute you for theft. This fellow was on death row now for theft. They, they used to hang the sheep stealers and the pickpockets and so on. This fellow was now, on, was now going to be executed for theft by the European authorities, presumably European. So now there was a, contra- a controversy arose in the community. One fellow, an ally of this criminal, Ohev Haganov, B'Shvil someone who was an ally of the Ganov, the Chavas Yara says B'Shvil he had some personal interest, maybe he had business dealings with him, he, he kind of owed him money maybe, I don't know, but whatever it was, somebody, an interested party to the case, decided that he would try to get the fellow off. He tried to appeal to the authorities, appeal for clemency, he tried to get, uh, he, he, tried to, uh, he tried to get him acquitted, released, pardoned. That was one fellow's position. One of the chashuvei ha'er, though, a certain Talmud Chacham, a certain distinguished Talmud Chacham in the city, sharply criticized this effort. He says, You are not allowed to save this guy from death. He's guilty of murder, even though that's not why he was arrested. That's not why they're going to execute him. But he's a murderer. He deserves to be killed. We should not be attempting to get murderers off death row. On the contrary, he says, if we had a Goel Hadam, if we had a relative, with a, apparently his past had followed him, people here knew he was a murderer. On the contrary, he said, this, this Talmud Chacham said, if we had relatives of the victim, they would be able to deliberately tell turn him over to the government, turn him in as a murderer. That's all Goel Hadam, as we discussed last week in the Temach Tzedek, turning in a murderer to the government so he should be punished and executed. That's the, the job of the Goel Hadam. And on the contrary, you want to actually try to get him off? That doesn't make any sense. So this was a machlokas. This was a machlokas in the community. One faction, one person, one faction wanted to try to get him, to get him uh, acquitted. 
Another faction said, on the contrary, we should actually turn him in. We certainly shouldn't get him acquitted. We would actually turn him in if we could. We shouldn't get him acquitted. Now, as a practical matter, the Chavar Siyar says this case did not, was not actually brought to him for a, for a decision because the person, who was, the person who was trying to get him off failed and the fellow was hanged, executed by hanged specifically. We'll get to that later. However, says the Chavar Siyar, and he, he does this sometimes, this is an interesting question, he says, so even though it's, it's moot, the fellow was killed, I figure this is an interesting question to discuss. Had this come to me, Allah as, as, as a case of pract- as a practical question, what would the Torah say, what would I say about such a case? Chavaz does this in other cases as well. He says that it's not an actual Shailah, but he's going to discuss it anyway. So that's the Shailah. It, it's in his Shailah with Shuvas. It was an actual case, although the question wasn't brought to him for a practical decision. So that's what he wants to discuss, and he, indeed he says... His analysis is going to be Lola Halacha Kolshkein Lamaisa. His analysis, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the, the yoke of actually passing Halacha Lamaisa. This is a gravely serious matter, Dine Nefashis. And as we'll see also in his analysis, you can't just say better safe than sorry, let's acquit him, because that way also is not a safe way, because that's not fair to the victim, as he's going to discuss later. Not getting justice for the victim is also a grave matter, he says. So, however, therefore he says that the stakes are actually very high, and he's not, he's not ready to pass in Allah even though it's in his Shailos and Shuvas. Nevertheless, Baderach Shachlavatarya, in the, just as a form of Talmudic analysis, just to consider the issues, to weigh them, to discuss them, that he's going to do, even though, his, uh, even though his, his analysis should not be considered Halach So, the Chavarsiyar's Shuva has three basic parts, four parts. His first part is he considers the arguments of the person who says that we actually could, we actually could uh, deliberately could even turn him in, l'chatchila, certainly we shouldn't save him. He first considers that fellow's argument and shoots it down. The second part of his tshuva, he considers the other argument, the argument, uh, the, 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 the argument of the, 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 the other argument, the argument that we should, uh, Dafka get him off, the, he considers that argument, shoots that down too. Then he, then he discusses his conclusion, which is indeed going to be, as Simcha realized, that, that if we can make a good argument against, against causing his death, we can make a good argument against uh, saving him, then the only logical course of action is Sheval Tasa Adif, do nothing, which is actually going to be his conclusion. Then he has an addendum, which I haven't reproduced, an addendum from his grandfather, he says. It's just some, some, he found some analysis in one of his manuscripts related to our topic. We're not going to get into that. We're going to consider basically his weighing of the arguments in favor of, in favor of turn of uh, actively assisting in his punishment and rejecting those arguments. His weighing the arguments in favor of of uh, saving him and his rejection of those arguments, and then his conclusion. So he begins. He says that the he begins by considering what he calls Divraham Arar, the person who said that on the contrary, on the contrary, it should be. The Gaul Adam is permitted to turn him into the Malchus, and certainly we shouldn't save him. That, the Chavas says, is misguided for two reasons. The idea that, as a, that a, under the principle of Gaul Adam, we should, actually, we should actually strive for his death, we should actually try to bring about his death, that is wrong, Mishnei time. As we saw last week, the Tzemach Tzedek did invoke the, the, the principle of Gaul Adam as one of his two major justifications for, for uh, seeking justice for a, for a murder. 
the Chavas Yar is going to disagree on a variety of grounds. Again, we're talking about, Chavas Yar was talking about a Jewish murder as opposed to a non-Jewish murder, but he's, at least in the case of a Jewish murder, he brings a number of arguments against the idea that we should actively, uh, we should actively, that we can and should actively seek to cause death to the murder. First argument, he says, is that even if we, even if we would accept, and we're not going to accept this for a, a number of reasons, but even if we are, would accept, he says, that Gaul Hadam applies here, that there is a mitzvah of Gaul Hadam to execute this person, that would mean, he says, we could execute him ourselves. That if we, if we found him, the Gaul Adam can actually assassinate him himself. Basin could do it. We could do it. The, we Jews could do it. However, he says, we do not have the right to turn him into a foreign government, to a non-Jewish government. He brings the, he brings the drush of Chazal, Aivenu Plilim, that uh, in Parshat Zinu we, we say that our, our enemies are our judges, Chazal are Darish, that it's a terrible isser in, in, bringing, in bringing cases involving Jews to the secular authorities. So we say, and that applies even in civil cases, even someone who decides to litigate a, case, litigate a civil case in, in, in non-Jewish court is guilty of a, uh, of a grave sin. Kolshkein, Biskein, Fasha, certainly when it comes to a matter of life and death, he says that uh, that's out of bounds to try to seek justice, even when the claim is legitimate, in a forum of a non-Jewish court. He brings a drasha that Davra Melech is criticized by the Navi, Osa Harakta Becher of Amon, that you killed Uriah Chiti Becher of Amon, that uh, even if he was a Marib Malchus, that I think it's talking about Uriah Chiti, that, that, that even, if it, even if he was guilty, even if he was guilty and you had the right to kill him, you should have killed him in Sanhedrin, you should have killed him properly. Internally, he says, not to, uh, not to cause him to be killed at the hands of our enemies, he says. And this is a, uh, this is a grave sin. He says that the even due process, we always require due process, not turning people over to the hands of systems that, that are not authorized. Even Sanhedrin that witnessed a murder, even if the Sanhedrin, the court, actually witnessed a murder, they have to have... They have, to have, they have to have testimony, they have to split up, they have to have a basin that will hear testimony and people that will deliver testimony. You can't just kill people saying, we know he's guilty, we don't believe in... See, on the one hand, Gaul Hadam itself is essentially a vigilante system. It's a system that, 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 that does say that the, a, private citizen, a private citizen is going to carry out sentence. On the other hand, he says, that does not apply to being Moser him to the Malchus. Again, not so clear why. Again, if he if, if he's gonna, you know, his last argument from due process and hedron shiro echachargis and nefesh, but uh, how is there any more due process in a gol hadam than there is in turning him to the malchus? He is going to discuss later. He's going to argue that even gol hadam requires due process. Even gol hadam requires a a psak of based in and so on. But before he's gotten to that, he's at the point that a gol hadam could kill him for some reason. The gol hadam can actually break the fellow's neck, but he couldn't turn him over to the hands of the non-Jews. I'm not sure why that follows. But he says that the. But he says that that's his first point that he feels that the that the dispensation of Gol Hadam only applies to the Gol Hadam killing him himself, not to the idea of placing him, uh, place, uh, putting him into the hands of the tender mercies of the of the non-Jewish courts. This is a principle we do find in other areas of, of halacha as well. It says, we find a similar halacha, for example, it says that in certain cases, in civil cases too, we have a certain dispensation for, 
vigilanteism. We have a principle in the Gemara of Ovid Inish Dinal and Afshay, that a person who has a claim against someone else is allowed to seize the property. If someone takes something from you, you can seize it back. You don't have to wait for court. If someone takes your, your cow, you can steal the cow back, and so on. If someone is invading your property, you can beat them off if you need to. You can, uh, you can use force to, to protect your property. So that's all true, but nevertheless, the Shulchan Aruch brings, Prima Sedeshin brings, but that does not include necessarily, that does not include turning him over into the hands of non-Jews, because that, that, that's considered inappropriate. We don't want to get non-Jews involved if it's not absolutely necessary. There are certain cases where we do allow it. If, if a person doesn't cooperate with Bastin, Bastin will issue you a heter to sue in court, take the matter into court. But in this case, at least the Chavis Yar fails, even if we would say, which we're not going to say for a variety of reasons, but he, he says, but even if we would say, even if we begin arguendo by assuming that Gol Hadam does apply here, you would be permitted to kill him yourself, you would not be permitted to turn him over to the hands of the, into the hands of the non-Jews. First argument. Second argument. He says, Gol Hadam itself, we touched on this last week, Max was, uh, was raising this issue, we touched on this last week, whether Gol Hadam is a mitzvah, it's an actual mitzvah for the Gol Hadam to kill the, the murderer, whether it's a rishus, a dispensation. The Chavaz Yar says that even according to that, even within the idea of rishus, he wants to argue, it's not even a full-blown rishus. It's not the kind of rishus necessarily that if you ask us, we'll say, sure, mutter, absolutely mutter, go do it. If you want. It's not that kind of rishus. He says, perhaps the halacha is, but the Eved, after the fact, he's potter, he's not going to be, the Gol Adam will not be executed as a murderer. Ain't lo damim, that we're not going to punish the Gol Adam for what he's done. But lechatchila, he says, we're not going to authorize the Gol Adam, lechatchila, to actually kill the murderer. Now, he goes on for a while about this back and forth, intricate arguments from the Gemara, from the Rambam, but he clarifies, he clarifies in the course of, uh, of his discussion as we said last week, that there is a major distinction between Ratzach B'Mez and Ratzach B'Shogeg. Ratzach B'Shogeg, someone who kills inadvertently, guilty of some kind of manslaughter, that's where the Gemara has, the Mishnah has, Machlokas Tanoim, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yossi Aglili, Rabbi Yossi Aglili says Mitzvah, the Rabbi Akiva says Rishus, that's where there's a whole discussion about it. However, he himself concedes that the... He himself concedes that, that if it is a case of... Mazid, if he killed the Mazid, then the Pusik is pretty clear that there's actually a there's actually a mitzvah on the Gol Hadam to uh, to uh, the mitzvah on the Gol Hadam to kill him. But he says that uh, that, that, that that still, but but here even even if this mur- this murder was deliberate, it wasn't an accident. They got into a quarrel. He drew a knife and killed him. But he points out that it was he points out that it was without hasra. He says that. He says that the. He says that, in certain cases, a basin will not execute the the murderer because either they don't have proper witnesses who fulfill all the technical requirements of testimony to aid him, aid his and other technical conditions. He says, or uh, or cases where there's no hasra. He says, in these cases, he says that in these types of cases, he says that he goes back and forth on, on, whether, based on, on whether the Gol Hadam has the right to kill him, whether certainly in a case where, where there are two Aydin and there's Hasra, but Basin can't catch him, for example, then the, the Gol Hadam will certainly be authorized even as a mitzvah to catch him and uh, kill him or bring him to justice himself. So in other cases where his guilt is absolute and there are no mitigating factors, 
then the Gaul Adam will have a mitzvah. But in cases where, like our case, even if we believe it was deliberate, he says, but if there was a, but, but, but lacking hasra and other situations, he says that uh, he's not convinced that the Gaul Adam even has a rishos l'chatzila. But the Eved, after the fact, he says that there's, uh, after the fact, he says that we will, after the fact, he has a dispensation, but it doesn't mean that l'chatzila we would, uh, doesn't mean l'chatzila we would be allowed to kill him. Furthermore, the Gaul Adam would be allowed to kill him. Furthermore, he says that Bismanazeh, Bismanazeh, we don't have Dinah Nefashas. Bismanazeh, our courts, our Bate Din are no longer authorized to, to, to judge capital cases. So even, so even, even Bemezid, he said, even if he's an absolute, even if he killed Bemezid, he says, the Gaul Adam can't have more authority than the Basin itself. If the basin itself has no authority to execute Bismanazeh, that, that the, 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 the Gemara explains that the system of capital punishment was uh, was was no longer practiced from from forty years before the Chorban. so we don't do capital punishment anymore. So he wants to argue that the Gaul Hadam cannot be cannot have more power, more more authority than based on itself. You can debate that. You can argue that the Gaul Hadam, by its very nature, is an extra extrajudicial system of punishment that you kill you kill even without uh, without going through basin. That that's the definition of Gaul Hadam. It's a it's a uh, it, it's a vigilante system, but the, nevertheless, the the Chavetzar is not sure. He's not sure if even that is. Uh, he's not he's not sure if the Gaul, if the Gaul Adam can operate can operate in uh, in, in a case where based in itself cannot operate. In general, there is a major debate as to whether Gaul Adam operates where there's no based in, where there's no Sanhedrin, where there's no smuchim. People don't have the formal smicha they need. To Paskindin and Nefasho. So that actually is a major debate going back to uh, some Rishonim, even certainly Achronim, Doran Batumim, for example, or Jonas and Ipschitz says, Bismanazeh, we don't have a basin capable of judging capital punishment, so we don't have Gaul Hadam. Chabasyar, we, we just saw, raises this question. Others disagree. Vixosachoshin says that no, even if you don't have a formal psak by basin, the Gaul Hadam is allowed to act. You don't need a system capable of rendering capital verdicts to, uh, for the Gaul Adam to act. Achronim go back and forth. Even Mixos, however, argues that even if in principle the Gaul Adam could act, in practice he says he can't because you need witnesses. You have to have proper testimony. We can't allow individuals to go around killing people without it having been established in court that they're entitled to do so. And Bismanazia, we don't have Bate Din that are capable of, of receiving such testimony. So for a variety of reasons, there is considerable lively debate in the Achronim as to whether the law of Gaul Hadam is operable, is operational, there are some poskim who argue that it is, but there are many other poskim, the Chavaz Yara included, that we don't have the law of Gaul Hadam, we don't have the law of Gaul Hadam, Bismanazeh, Bechlal, and the... And, and so on, and therefore he is... And therefore, the, the Chavetz is very leery of actually applying the laws of Gaul Adam B'smanazet to allow the execution of a Jew by turning him into the government, by killing yourself, or by killing him yourself for a variety of reasons. The Chavetz argues that Gaul Adam is not really a practical law B'smanazet for all these reasons, and therefore he does not feel that, the, that we can justify aiding and abetting the, the, the judicial system in executing this fellow the, because, because of all these various objections to the application of the law of Gaul Hadam. He also mentions another argument. He says it's not clear what types of relatives are included in Gaul Hadam. We discussed this last week. The Semach says any relative, the closest relative, who's 
able to be Yerish. Chazanish seems to say it's only the very close relatives, the seven relatives that Cohen is metame for, siblings, parents, and so on. Chavis Yar says he's not sure, he's not sure who's considered Goel Adam. So, Sof Dover, says, this idea that we would actually implement, the idea of one of the two factions, we would actually implement the law of Goel Hadam, Bizman to actually kill, or to aid, to aid and abet the, the government to kill this murderer, he says, he thinks that is absolutely not correct, but Taylor Mufutalan, certainly to turn him over to the government, Haskila Lahaskir, we have no business, uh, we have no business aiding and abetting the secular system, and we should absolutely not do that. And we should note that the Chavaz is not the last word on this question. There are other poskim who have no trouble with, uh, or who, act, who allow at least, maybe, maybe they're not so comfortable with it, but who actually do allow the turning over of a murderer to the government for punishment, for execution even. There's a tshuva in the Maram Sheik, maybe we'll get to it another time perhaps. There's a tshuva in the Maram Sheik where he allows turning over a murderer to the, to the government. Other tshuvas to this effect. Some of this is ba- a lot of this is based on an, an, a passage in the Agad in Bav Metziah. The Gemara says that there was one of the Chachamim, Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon, he was apparently an early version of Sherlock Holmes. He could look at a person he met in a bar and figure out that he was a criminal. He could see if he was uh, drowsy when at an unusual time, he would say, why is he so sleepy? He must have been up all night. He must have been... Uh, either learning Torah all night, or if he's not a Talmud Chacham, he must be a Ganav. And he apparently was, uh, again, doesn't always seem entirely persuasive, but apparently the government thought he was very good at what he did, so the government made him into an investigator. His job would be to uh, ferret out criminals, and he would turn them over to the authorities, and the authorities would execute them. So the, so the Gemara, and, and this included Jewish criminals. He was, he was turning over Jewish criminals who'd be executed. So it says his rabbinic colleagues were not so pleased. They said... Uh, how long will you turn over the, the people of God for execution? And he said, what's the problem? These are miscreants. I'm simply destroying uh, thorns. I'm destroying uh, worthless people. And they said, no. Let God worry about criminals in his nation. You have no business turning over criminals to the authorities for execution. But nevertheless, many posts can say, the halacha is like Rabbi Shimon. The halacha is a Jew is allowed to aid the authorities in the arrest and punishment of criminals, even execution, and even the post can say if it's uh, well beyond what the Torah allows, both in terms of the process and in terms of the substance of the punishment, many posts can say that a Jew is permitted to, in, to, to, uh, to aid, to participate, to work for the criminal justice system, even if the punishments are draconian and quite strict and involve the death penalty to Jews. Chavasyar, though, takes for granted that this is entirely out of the question, and therefore, he says, Gol Adam does not apply for a variety of technical and other reasons. And therefore, he says, he thinks that there is no way in which we can actively bring about the death of this criminal by helping the authorities, by, 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 by asking them to punish him. There's no way we can actually do that. What about the other argument that it's actually a mitzvah to save him, saving Jewish lives, Pikuach Nefesh? So he says, that's not such a good argument either. What this Chacham said, that, that it's usher to save him, he says that it's usher to save the person from death, that's also a, a plausible argument. That much, is, that much is plausible. It's not plausible we should actually kill him, but it is plausible, he says, that we shouldn't try to save him. That other fellow who thought we should save him is also not correct. So he brings a number of arguments to this effect. First up, he says, it's a Gemara in, in Nida. 
Mar brings an interesting story. It says that there were Benegli Lai, there were some Jews, there was a rumor that they were guilty of murder. It wasn't clear. It wasn't clearly established. They came before Rabbi Tarfan and they said, please help us escape, please help us evade justice. Rabbi Tarfan said, I'm not sure what to do. Uh, I'm not sure what to do, he says. Uh, should I save you? But the, but the Chum say that Lashon Hara, even though you shouldn't accept it, you should at least consider that it might be true, you should at least act defensively based on the Lashon Hara. So people say that you killed somebody, and if so, I don't want to save you. Why don't I want to save you? Rashi says, Shema Haragtem, maybe you are, maybe you are murderers, but Oster If you are murderers, I'm not allowed to save you. So there is a lot of discussion in the Mepharshim about Rashi. Tosis has a different Shana of the Gemara, the Shiltus has a different Shana of the Gemara. The, there is a lot of discussion about Rashi, the, the, the Rishonim and Achronim. Some of them look askance at Rashi and say, really, because of a rumor that someone's a criminal, you're not allowed to help him out? Is that really true? It's only a rumor. But forget the question of rumor. If it were actually true that, that he was guilty, the Chavaz Yara says Rashi's position is not controversial. The fact that we shouldn't save a murderer if, if the fact of his guilt is well established, that's true. Nobody disagrees with Rashi about that. We don't save murderers, he says. So he brings a pasuk in Mishlei, explicit pasuk: Adam Ashuk Badam Nafesh at Bar Yonus Val If someone is being, if someone is uh, getting in trouble for killing someone, let him flee. But we're not going to help him. We're not going to support him. He says we don't support murderers. He says we don't help murderers evade justice. We don't turn them over to the government. But we also don't help them evade justice. Furthermore, he says. There is a mitzvah, he says, to, to help to, to help Aston punish uh, to help Aston punish criminals. There's a mitzvah on everyone. Everyone has a mitzvah to, to aid Aston biarta rami kerbecha to uh, destroy destroy evildoers. So maybe the, so maybe today there's not a mitzvah. He said we don't have a sanhedrin, as he said before. We, we don't have the mitzvah, but certainly we, we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't act at cross purposes to that and try to save him. He brings the gemara in makas, the mission in makas, afe marvim shofchi dam Israel. A seminal mission in Makas, the Gemara talks about how often Bastin should actually apply the death penalty. So some Chachamim said, we would never apply the death penalty. We would always find some reason to, uh, to acquit the defendant. We, we would be so reluctant to ever, to ever execute, we would always find technical arguments and get somebody off. So the response to the other Chachamim said, no, that's a bad idea, because even though the idea of saving Jews from being killed is noble, but there are limits. If you never apply the death penalty, you're going, to, you're going to give the green light to murder. So both in terms of the formal mitzvah as well as the, the general concern not to, that there has to be a price, so there has to be a price that criminals pay, there has to be a, criminals have to believe that crime doesn't pay. If you take away all, all deterrent, then you're going to increase murder. So the Mishnah clearly believes that the death penalty has a negative, uh, ha- ha- will have an effect in reducing uh, murder. So the Chavetz Yard says also, so to, to, to help murderers evade justice is clearly wrong for a variety of these reasons. Furthermore, this is the most interesting argument in the whole tshuva, he says, It is a widespread belief. Everyone knows this, he says. What does everyone know? That The soul of a murder victim will not rest until revenge is exacted upon his murder. He says, this is what people say. And Chazal believe it too, and he brings various riots from Chazal. We know, of course, the Western world believes this. You can read it everywhere from Hamlet to Harry Potter and everything in between. 
ghost stories are largely built on this, that go, the ghosts roam the halls and don't rest until, they're, until the person who uh, brought about their unnatural death is brought to justice. Says the Chavaz Yar, everyone knows this, and Chazal believe it as well. He gives three examples in Chazal. He says there are Midrashim based on Sukkim, biblical stories. One is about Cain. We read in last week's parsha. I was not able to find a midrash that says exactly what he says, but he seems to be understanding that the the cold meachicha that Hevel's dam was we could not rest. Hevel's dam was unquiet, was uh, was disturbed as long as Cain was roaming the earth and not uh, being brought to justice. Tmei Navas, the blood of Navas Israeli killed by Achav on trumped up charges because he coveted his his vineyard. And the Midrash tells us that, the, that, that there was a spirit that said, I will bring about Achav's death. And the Chazal say, which spirit? The spirit of Navas. That Navas was, uh, Navas was, was out to, uh, to kill Achav. Dam Zechariah, the most famous example. Dam Zechariah, we, we read about this in the God of the Korban, in the Kinos, that when the, when the horrific crime of the murder of Zechariah, he was telling them things they didn't want to hear. He was speaking truth to power, so they executed him. And his blood kept boiling. The Gemara has, the Midrash has a story in gory detail. When the Buzaradan came, he kept, they said, what is this blood? They finally told him. He said, I'll appease the blood. Uh, the, the blood wouldn't stop boiling. He started slaughtering Jews. He killed tens and tens of thousands of Jews until finally he told God, what do you want me to do? You want me to kill the whole nation? Then the blood stopped. And then he was so shaken by this that he ran away and became a ger. Al-Kalpanim Chavas Yar says, this, is a, this idea of the ghost stories is a legitimate religious doctrine that the spirit of the of the of the of the murder of the murdered man does not rest until we are able to avenge his murder. Now the Chavasyar is actually not the only one who says this. Other Akronim as well pick up on this idea, pick up on this idea. Chuva in the Dibri Malkiel, or Malkiel Tenenbaum, a great Polish gun of about a century ago, he was asked about doing an autopsy. He, he was asked actually about filing a criminal complaint. Someone had been murdered. The victim was already buried. They wanted to file a criminal complaint with the government to get them to investigate and punish the murderer. The problem was that would trigger an autopsy. I mentioned this last week, I think. would trigger an autopsy. So, nivel mace. maybe we should, we should just let the whole thing slide and, and not, uh, not bring it up. We don't want to cause nivel mace. Nivel Kiel says we actually should. We should file this complaint. And one of the arguments he makes is that it's actually for the mace's own benefit. That the, the, it will be for the victim's own benefit to, to do the autopsy, if, if that will enable, his, if that will enable his, uh, his murder to be brought to justice. He says that, he says that, the, it's Yadua, he says. It's well known that it's good for the soul of the deceased to kill his murderer. He brings the Midrash and Parshish Masse, the Gemara and Gittin, Midrash Eichab, Adam Zechariah. That's the rationale of Gol Hadam. He says that's why it's important to kill the Ratech in order to give some peace to the, to the murdered man. The, the, the first one to say this is the Chavaz Yar. The Chavaz Yar says that, the, that this, itself, this is what he meant in the beginning of the tshuva, that he says there are arguments on both sides. We can't just say, we'll be machmer, we'll be machmer to, to acquit this fellow, to get him acquitted. That's not fair to the murder victim, he says. There, there's, no, uh, there's no easy way out of this one, he says. There's no safe resolution to this conundrum. What should we do? So he argues that it's important to execute the... It's important to, to execute, or at least not to thwart, the execution of uh, the execution of the of the murder because that that's good for the victim. Then he goes on, 
he says, well, maybe that's only if the punishment that, that he's threatened with is actually the punishment of Basin for murder, which is Chenek, he says, which is, I'm sorry, which is, which is Sayef, which is execution by the sword, by a blade, he says. The Gemara says that if Basin can't kill him, then Hashem will kill him by, by Sayef, and murder will be killed by the sword. But here he says where the punishment was, uh, was hanging, that's not the punishment of the Torah for, for murder, he says. However, he says no. He says, he brings Tosus. Tosus says that, that sometimes Hashem will bring around the punishment of, uh, uh, that, that doesn't quite match. Maybe he has a schus, which, which shields him from the more serious punishment, and he gets the lighter punishment. And maybe, maybe too, the soul of the deceased will be happy. However he gets killed, he doesn't care if the, if the punishment is exactly the right punishment for the crime. The, the, the victim will still be happy with, uh, with, uh, with, with whatever punishment he, uh, he gets. Therefore, he says, because of these various arguments, this would indicate that we should not attempt to, we should not try to, uh, try to achieve the, attain the acquittal of a person who actually is guilty of murder. And So for these various reasons, he says, he, he, he argues that it is not correct to attempt to secure the acquittal of someone who is actually guilty of murder. Then he turns around and he says, how far should I take this? Is this really true? Is it really true that someone guilty of a capital crime, based in our position, should be let him rot, let him die, let, let, let the government kill him, he says? So I, I don't understand. He says, let's say someone is Michal Shabbos. Let's say someone is guilty of any other error in the Torah that's a capital, a capital offense. So does that mean we shouldn't try to save someone who's guilty of Michal Shabbos from the government, he says? Does that mean that if someone's sick, let's say someone's sick and he happens to be a person who committed errors that are punishable by death, we shouldn't, try, we shouldn't heal them, we shouldn't try to save them, we should say... Sorry, you're a Russia, you're guilty of capital offenses, we hope you die, we're not going to save you. Is that really the, the position of Judaism, he says? Certainly not true. He, bring, he proves this, he says, certainly, as long as someone is not a full-blown Apikaras, who's, uh, who's completely beyond the pale, even if he's a serious Russia who's committed serious Averis, he says, certainly we, we do save him from, from death. If he's faced with death, we certainly do save him, he says. So he says... Uh, Certainly, he says, we would, we would save him. So he says, the difference is that the, the difference is, he says, that the difference is, he says, that the, that, that it depends, it depends whether he is, one moment, So he says that the difference is whether it uh, the difference is whether he's whether the punishment is befalling him for his uh, for his crime or not. He says if someone is a Russia, he says that the cer- certainly he says in general we try to save him. He says that if, he, if, he, if he's arrested for something else, then then, then 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 certainly we would try to save him. He says. He says, uh, but but however he says if he's arrested for the murder for the murder itself. Then he says we can argue that, uh, that, 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 that we, should, we can argue that, that, that we shouldn't try to we shouldn't try to get him acquitted. So in our case, where he was arrested actually for Gneva, then he seems to be agreeing that we would that we would uh, we would try to save him. If he isn't actually being arrested and punished for murder, he's being punished for something else, for, for theft, which was the law of the land at the time, or he's sick, or, he, or he, he's suffering some other type of uh, he's, he's suffering some he's suffering he has some problem, and that problem 
is not directly connected to his, to his murder, then yes, as long as he's not a complete apicurus, as long, he, he, as long as he has some redeeming, some redeeming qualities, even if he is a Russian and committed serious avarice that are punishable by death, even a murderer, we would try to save him, he says. However, he says, the, however, he says in, in, in a case where he would actually be arrested for murder and the punishment is being, um, is being inflicted upon him for murder itself, he says, then, then we can make a strong argument that we should not actually try to save him. Now he says, you know, there, there are arguments in both directions, so what do we do? On the one hand, we can say, don't do anything, let the justice system take its course. Perhaps, the, perhaps we say, that we have to do anything we can to save somebody from, uh, to save somebody from, uh, from death. He says, he's not really sure. He ultimately is unable to decide this question. If someone is arrested and going to be executed for murder, should we actually try to save him or not? He says, Ein He says, we cannot, uh, we, 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 we can't do anything, he says. We can't, we can't argue that he should be saved because uh, he, is, he is guilty of this murder. He says, we can't argue that we should actively, uh, try, we should actively try to. He's not, even sure whether, whether, he's not even sure whether we should try to save him, we shouldn't try to save him. That he says he is. Uh, that he says he's really not sure about. Bottom line, he says, "Ain limchos mikiso." We we won't protest. We can't protest if somebody does try to save him, because he's not again. He's not an absolute apicurus. However, he says, if someone wiser than I, he says, if someone uh, with more chachma is going to be able to machria this question, whether there's an issue to save him or not. Let him be machria, he says. I can't do it. This is just, uh, just, just too difficult a question, he says. Masha'eni madi v'lo bihi. I simply can't resolve this question. He says, I'm just coming to explore some of the various arguments for or against in this case. But ultimately, he says that he is... Ultimately, he says he, he, he's, he's, he's unable to resolve... He's unable to resolve this question. He says, right, so that, that, that's his conclusion. That, that on the one hand, he says, there is, uh, to, actually, to actually work toward his execution is problematic, is absolutely not. Gol Hadam, it's a difficult, difficult principle to apply against a Jew Bismanazeh for a variety of reasons, and certainly not to hand him over, he says, to the, to the non-Jews. On the other hand, to actually save him, certainly if he was arrested for murder, to actually save him, is problematic for a variety of reasons. There's a mitzvah of Biarta Ramikir Becha, the soul of the the soul of the person needs to rest, and so on. And it is divine justice for him to be punished, even if the punishment he's going to receive is not exactly the same punishment that the Torah would prescribe. So, so, so even though even though in general he says we would try to save someone from death, even if some, someone is a person who had committed capital avarice, but uh, but but certainly at least in the case where, he, where, where where the punishment is being meted out to him. Consciously for the error that he did, he's not convinced that the he's not convinced we should save him, and that he's not actually sure about him. Even in terms of the the meta halakhic principles, how should we decide? He's not sure. On the one hand, perhaps we should say sovereign fascist lahakel. Anytime we have a doubt about saving a human life, we should always err on the side of life. We should always err on the side of saving life. On the other hand, sheval tasadif. Since there is an argument that we should not save him, and there, there is another interested party, the the victim, he says. Maybe we should not save him. Maybe we should not uh, lift a finger. Maybe it's actually wrong. Not only don't we have to, maybe it's actually wrong to get involved and try to save him from, from death. Therefore, he's, he's not sure. 
he's not sure. He goes back and forth, and he says, "Let somebody with uh, let somebody with broader shoulders, somebody who's uh, more able to reach a decision, let him conclude uh, he's not able to reach a conclusion on this question." Not the most cheerful of topics, but uh, thank you all for for listening and have a good evening. I can take questions. Anyone people have comments or uh, have things a, to say about this? I have a question. Simcha has a question. Um, if we don't really um, have laws, then how do we how do we kill people who are murderers? Simcha wants to know what we actually do for murderers today if we don't have gol hadam. So the Jewish community, we don't really kill murderers at all. If, if someone murders, we we don't kill them at all. The government, uh, the United States government, other governments punish murderers. They, generally, the punishment is jail. In some cases, in some governments will actually kill people. The United States, the federal government, the states will kill people sometimes. But the question is, should we participate? And this is a real question. This comes up every, every few years. Every few years, uh, some, uh, some, a Jew, there was a major case a few years ago, someone named Grossman, I think. He was on, Grossman? Grossman, he was on death row, I think, in Florida. Chabad made a major push to... Uh, a political push, a campaign of public relations to get him acquitted, and uh, it's, it's a major question whether whether if someone actually is guilty of the crime, especially in this case, he was actually arrested for the murder. There was no question he was guilty. I think uh, the, you know, the, the extenuating circumstances, he had been um, he had been under the influence, drugs. He, he, had, he had he was a changed person. He had he had done tshuva. He had seen the lights and so on. But this is a real question: should we uh, should we actually? Should we actually, uh, I don't think almost anybody would say we should actively push for the death penalty, but uh, the question is, should we, actually, should we actively push for his uh, exoneration, for his pardon or acquittal, or should we simply say, uh, you know, we're not getting involved, let the, let the criminal justice system do its, uh, do its job. That, that is a major, uh, this is a major debate with very different perspectives among the post But do they do it to my question or not? What? Do they do it to my question or not? I said that we usually would we, we we certainly wouldn't push for him to get punished to get killed. We might push for him to be put in jail if he's dangerous to other people, but the government might kill him or might not. But that, that's not up to us. I said. Oh, so um. Rabbi, let, let me just see if I let me see, other people are Let me see if I'll talk a little bit more. Rabbi, if a prosecutor um, subpoenas a person uh, to testify um, in a civil, well, in a criminal trial um, in the secular court as a witness, can. Can a, would, a, would a religious Jew be able to testify in a murder case as a witness? So that is, that, so, so that, that is a good question. That, that is a very good question, and the answer is somewhat controversial. There are, there, there are a variety of tshuvas dealing with working for or aiding the criminal justice system to punish uh, criminals of various sorts. As I mentioned earlier, one of the seminal Gemaras is a Gemara that says that Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon, one of the Tanaim, actually worked for the government in an investigative capacity. And there are poskim who see that as a precedent for working for or working with or cooperating with the criminal justice system as long as it's a just and fair and uh, decent system, that it is, that it is permissible to, to cooperate with such a system. So for example, there are a half dozen or so chuvas. I think we covered, we did one of them several years ago in this in this series. There are a handful of chuvas about working for the tax authorities as an auditor, as a prosecutor, as a as a, an expert witness, of, you know, an accountant of various you know, different types of cases. And there are a number of uh, the great postmen of the twentieth century discuss whether 
whether one is allowed to cooperate with, uh, with a tax authority in criminal matters. So a number of posts can allow it. They make, they, they make very different arguments. Moshe Feinstein has arguments that are beyond the scope of tonight's talk to allow it. But Rav Osner, the Rashul Vosner, the Shev Alevi, argues he has one of the most, uh, one of the most uh, full-throated defenses of it on, on the grounds of this Gemara. Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon was allowed to work for the government to, to help them arrest and execute Jewish criminals. So clearly, though, and clearly the government was not following the, the due process standards of the Torah and was not limiting its punishments to the cases where the Torah said you're guilty. Nevertheless, he was allowed to cooperate. So certainly, Rishonim already said, and Rav Ozner says, it is legitimate to work as a, as a prosecutor, I think he was talking about, uh, as an investigator for the, the Revenue Service, even if that means that Jews are going to be in, are going to suffer criminal penalties for their crimes. Many other poskim are not so convinced of this. So many other poskim, and that, and he, wasn't even, he wasn't talking about uh, capital punishment. He, he, was not, he, he was talking about, I don't know if it was fines or jail time, but he, he was talking about a relatively uh, less severe, much less severe criminal punishment. Actual capital punishment, so again, you have the Shuvah of the Maram Sheikh I mentioned earlier, maybe we'll study that in a future uh, week, who actually allows cooperating with, uh, with some European government in the 19th century to execute a murder, execute a Jewish murder. So presumably he would allow testifying in a uh, capital case as well. Other poskim are much more reluctant to allow this, certainly in capital cases, to allow this sort of cooperation with, uh, with the authorities. Lechas himself has a tshuva where, where he says that no Jewish court, according to Allah, no non-Jewish court, according to Allah, has the right to impose capital punishment on a Jew, and therefore it's by definition illegitimate to cooperate with to cooperate with such a with such a uh, criminal proceeding. How he explains the Gemara in Bavnitzia is not clear. So th- th- this would be the subject of a uh, of considerable controversy about whether a Jew should should testify may or should testify in a in a criminal case against a, uh, in, a, in a criminal case against another Jew. It's a, it's a complex topic, and one maybe we should revisit another time, but, it, but it's, uh, I'm, I'm not fully prepared with a more comprehensive answer on that one, so uh, I think I'll leave it at that for now.